0: from Portland, Oregon. This is the Jewish Review Podcast. I'm Rockney Roll. Coming up this episode, my conversation with Theater Dibbick Artistic Director, Aaron Henney. Aaron and the Theater Dybbuk team just finished a fantastic week-long residency of performances, workshops, and leadership trainings here in Portland. And I had the chance to chat with Aaron about his creative process, what exactly a Dybbuk is, and how artists and leaders can respond thoughtfully to these challenging times. It was an insightful discussion I'm sure you'll enjoy. Stay with us. The Jewish Review Podcast is brought to you by the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland, presenting Spotlight, featuring the one and only Fran Drescher, Saturday, December 2nd, at the Patricia Research Center for the Arts in Beaverton. Tickets are going fast, so get your seat now for an evening you won't want to miss at jewishportland.org/2024spotlight. Now, here's Aaron Henny. Aaron Henny, thank you for joining us on the Jewish Review podcast. Thank you for having me. So, tell me about your Jewish journey. Sure. So,
1: I grew up in uh, Bayonne, New Jersey until I was about 15. And I grew up in a household that, you know, engaged Jewishly in whatever ways that may mean to people. But, you know, we went to synagogue, I wouldn't say all the time, but it was a part of our lives. I went to religious school or Hebrew school is, I think, what we called it at the time. You know, and I came from a family on my father's side, seven generations of rabbis in Ukraine, who then my great-grandfather, you know, left in the early 1900s and came to the U.S. So I was involved, not Consistently and constantly, but it was definitely part of my life and a valued part of my life. And then largely from the time I was in my mid-teens, when my family moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, through uh, up until probably around 30, my engagement in overt ways with Jewish community was fairly minimal. And I don't think that's an uncommon story. People have their, you know, be mitzvah and they, they do find other ways and do other things. And I was really engaging as a theater artist. I was trying to figure out what it is to be a theater artist. And then in my early 30s, I started noticing I was getting ideas connected to Jewish history. And it kind of took me by surprise, but there it was. And this deeply embedded thing was showing up, was showing up. And I was living in Los Angeles where I still live. And I looked around, the second largest Jewish population in the US, and I thought, oh, if I want theatrical work from a Jewish perspective that speaks to me in certain ways and in the styles I like, you know, uh, maybe others do as well. So I started Theater Dybbuk partially because I had this need and this deep desire to connect in certain ways. And to find community in those ways, and funny enough, it then con- reconnected me and connected me in, in new ways to Jewish community and to history. And I find myself engaging in more overt ways in in those topics than I ever did uh, in you know in my twenties and such. So so art really is fundamental to my Jewish journey. I had to allow the art to be the entryway that allowed me in my full adulthood to own. Uh, what was important to me in Jewish community.
0: I remember reading somewhere, speaking of your family history in rabbinical work, that uh, you had considered uh, going to rabbinical school before committing to performance art as a path. What drew you to the yes. idea of being a rabbi? So this
1: is really interesting. So I did leave that out in my trajectory. So I'll, I'll say that, uh, that when I was um, in my early 20s, even though I hadn't been engaging in kind of overt ways, I... I really there was a probably about six months to a year where I was really entering the professional artistic workforce, and I was scared, you know, like a lot of artists I wasn't I didn't know how I was going to make a living, how I was going to uh, be productive and make work. and i but I knew that I wanted to be of service to people because I actually think that's what art is largely doing. It's being of service to people and their emotional needs and because I grew up Jewish, I thought, well, maybe the way to do that will be to become a rabbi. And so for about six months to a year, I really considered it. And then I realized that for me, it was actually a pathway that was divergent from what I really wanted to be doing. And once I understood the extent of study and commitment it would take, I thought, wow, that is a really circuitous route to getting to what I really want to do, which is be of service to people in a creative manner. And so I I sort of went back to saying, no, I'm going to be a theater artist. But, But I was inspired by this idea of using creativity to serve community and their emotional needs. And I think that fundamentally that is what a lot of spiritual leaders, rabbis,
0: do. Well, that plays into what I was going to follow up with. What commonalities do you see in those two seemingly dissimilar paths of rabbinical work and performance art? So I think the
1: commonalities are that, one is that Jewish ritual and a lot of religious ritual has a, a kind of theatrical base to it, foundation to it, right? There's a structure. Inside that structure, there is uh, often song. There is ritual movement. There is uh, language. So I think one is there are commonalities in that Artists, uh, theater artists and rabbis take people through a theatrical structure or a ritual structure, and I'm using those terms somewhat interchangeably, to get them to move along some kind of realization path or communing with oneself and the greater community. That's one. I think, too, that if we think about, for example, For example, pulpit rabbis, you know, they are doing things like writing sermons. They are thinking about what messaging am I giving to my community to get them to think in new ways or to feel connected or, again, to move along a path to greater understanding. Artists are doing the same. Uh, The other thing that a lot of artists do as head of a theater company, I can say part of my job is to bring together community, to help form a, a place where people feel like, I am at home, or I come here to find something that I'm not finding elsewhere. And I think often spiritual leaders, rabbis, are
0: serving that purpose as well. I think to call Theater DiBic a theater company might be a bit of an undersell. So in your words, what is Theater DiBic?
1: <laughs> I often say that Theater DiBic is a uh, holistic arts and education organization that believes that Jewish history provides a unique entry point to have complex conversations about our contemporary world because Jewish people have been in a variety of places in a variety of settings throughout uh, much of recorded history. We are provided a great vessel for looking at our world today and all its complexities. And so we have a multifaceted approach to engagement. We create large scale theatrical works over one to three years per project that use Jewish history in the ways I just described. We do sometimes one-off events that are that are based in Jewish history, or tradition, or text, or thought, uh, but allow people to, to engage kind of in the moment. We have community storytelling inv- events that include community members writing their own narratives and our actors performing them. We have educational workshops that train uh, teachers as well as work with Jewish professionals so that they can be more effective in their communities. And we work with lay leaders and volunteers. So as you can hear, there's a whole variety of approaches. We also have a podcast called The Dibicast that combines interviews with scholars with performed readings of Jewish texts. So it's a really multifaceted approach that we're hoping allows people to engage in ways that most speak to them
0: and move them along their journeys. So I have to ask, what is a Dybbuk and why did you name your organization after one? It's a great question. Uh, a
1: dibek is a figure in Jewish folklore who has um, died and clings to life by by possessing a body, right? Possessing a, a person, and so people listening can't see. But you are you're making a a, a a lovely sort of surprise. Why would you name your company that face? Which I appreciate because that is often the response <laughs> I get. And so let me explain that that. Uh, We named the company that for a variety of reasons. One is that um, it was a way of cueing that we're sometimes going to be provoking. We're sometimes going to be asking difficult questions or putting people into a place of productive discomfort. So one is it's just a cue to that. Two is that it alludes to the play uh, by S. Anski, the Dybbuk, or a Dybbuk, depending on the the translation adaptation, that uh, is a famous Jewish Yiddish play. So we wanted to sort of acknowledge that piece uh, of theater. It also is a name that if one is Jewish and somewhat familiar with Jewish folklore, has resonances, and you go, oh, okay, this company must be doing Jewish work. But if one doesn't have those references, it's not exclusive. It causes a question. Oh, what does that mean? What is this company? Rather than naming ourselves, you know, the Jewish Theater of Southern California, or what have you, we opted to name ourselves something that had a much more open, that allows people to enter even if they don't have pre-existing knowledge.
0: My my reaction, as you noted, was one of surprise, but it it also started to make sense. I guess the the way I thought about it was in the idea of an actor sort of inhabits a character in a certain way. Mm-hmm that 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 your explanation of what a adybic is alluded to
1: yes and so let me say to that there is something our work our theatrical work tends to be very physical and fully embodied and so this idea absolutely of being sort of infused with the spirit of and and allowing it to communicate through you I think uh, aligns with some of what you're what you're saying
0: as I understand it, one of the key factors that sets Theaterdivik's productions apart is the collaborative development process. You're writing a show hand-in-hand with the people that are going to be performing it. What are the trade-offs that you have to make artistically in that method, and what do you feel you get from that process that wouldn't be possible otherwise? Mm. So one is I
1: will say that you know I've been developing shows this way for a very long time, both with Theater Dibbock and elsewhere. Prior to Theater Dybbuk, um, a great company in Berkeley named Central Works. I developed shows with actors with them, as well as with other companies in other places one called Son of Semele, another called the Odyssey Theater. So, one is I almost forget what might be being lost because I've been doing it so long this way that it's just become my methodology, mm-hmm. right? So, I'll talk about the gains and then I'll talk about the potential losses. So, to be clear, first, the process is one of group development, but not group devisement. And let me make the distinction. In other words, the actors are not improvising and I'm writing based on what they're doing. Instead, I am writing and they are responding like a script consultancy. So, I'm bringing in pages and they're telling me their thoughts and they're sort of processing, or I'm bringing in research or scholarship and they're maybe bringing in some and we're processing together. So one of the upsides is that I'm getting to hear how these topics hit them. And I'm getting to hear if the words I'm writing feel right in the mouth. And I'm I'm getting to be provoked by their own personal experiences and the, the things they offer from their own heritages, history, world experience, and knowledge. So that's a huge upside. Another upside is that I'm looking at the people who are going to be in the piece. So I can write things keeping in mind their strengths and, and areas of expertise. So that's really wonderful. Also, there's a kind of attachment. There's a kind of long-term feeling from the performers of, oh, this is mine. I know what this is and I know why I care about it as opposed to just a work for hire that I come in for three weeks or four weeks, rehearse and we go, not that that doesn't have value as well, but it's a very different thing. If I were to say uh, about downsides, you know, I think that maybe it's that if I find somewhere halfway through a process, oh, we wanna go a different direction or oh boy, do we need another performer in this, right? then I have to rethink the show a little. I have to figure out what it is to bring on somebody new, you know, that kind of thing. So it's usually about expansion, not contraction. So usually the issues come not with, oh, I wish somebody else was in the show. It instead comes with, oh, we need a little bit more of this or, oh, it turns out we need another performer. And that can change the dynamic, but it also means that we're
0: thinking in a bigger way what kind of response do you get from actors who are working in this sort of process for the first time? Mm. <laughs> so some love it. I would say that some are
1: really surprised by what it does for them emotionally to be involved in this kind of ongoing way and in a long-term manner and how they really get to see how their thoughts are honored. You know, It's not that what they say or do necessarily winds up directly in the play but they can see that I'm processing it and that it's definitely influencing the work. And I think that is exciting for people and it feels very respectful as well. I think that where the challenges can come, if I'm gonna say that honestly, is that sometimes it can take a while for people to understand this is group developed but not written. In other words, you may come with an idea and I'm gonna process it and say, no, we're not going that direction, right? Or a concern comes up and I have to say, I can see it, you can't yet see it, right? I I know that how it looks and feels on the stage will be different than how it looks and feels on the page. And so there can be a challenge when one is in a process of understanding that it's just that, it's a process, and we're at one step and later on it will look different because I prefer not to call scripts plays. What I mean is that a script is not a play until it's on its feet, it's a template for a play. And so that can be a challenge. But overall, people get thrilled. They, they love the fact that they get to sort of learn new things and offer their perspectives and have something that's written with them in mind. So I think overall, people find it to be a, an exciting and kind of mind-opening
0: process. Much of the work you've done with Theatre Dybbuk and some work from your pre-Theatre Dybbuk era uses history or mythology as a jumping-off point. What is it about the past that makes it so relevant to the artistic present? Every moment of our lives
1: exists in a context. It exists with what's happening immediately around it. It exists with what happened in all the years and moments leading up to it. It exists with who the players are. It exists with the political choices that have been made. And I think that in order to see this moment, we need to be in dialogue with history because maybe we haven't been here before. I'm not a big fan of saying we've been here before, but we've maybe been in a place that rhymes with this moment, that has some commonalities. And so history for me is a vessel to see ourselves today without it necessarily being a one for one but emotionally there are truths and there are forces at play that might be repeating or at least, uh, intersecting with our current moment. So I think in order to see who we are, we might have to see who we've been, and therefore
0: we can then see also where we might be headed. The events of Simhat Torah and the days that followed have been heavy and fraught for Jewish communities worldwide. How do you, as an artist, respond to tragedy on this kind of scale? Mm. It's l- like it
1: is for anybody. I think it's it's a difficult thing. I am, like so many, processing so many things right now about the effect of this moment on our Jewish communities, the effect of this moment on the world at large, asking questions of what's my responsibility. And I guess I would say that I'm gonna offer it in two or three ways how I respond. One is I just keep doing the work, right? Like, let me step back for a second and say, part of Theater Dibbick's work and my work is about saying the world is filled with complication And it's filled with multiple forces uh, that are at play at any given time. And that's what history partially has to teach us. And so part of our work is to say, here's history. Here's what it tells us about the world. Here's what it's telling us about ourselves. And to keep doing that work. Because by continuing to do that work, we are in dialogue with this very moment. And of course, the work that's going to be conceived in this moment can't help but respond to this moment emotionally or literally. So there's that. Uh, There's also the community work we do. That is, hey, community members, we're going to help facilitate you telling your own stories. Uh, That's work we just did here in Portland at the Middleman JCC and at the Eastside Jewish Commons. We, We helped people to tell their own stories. And the prompts we give are open enough that people can enter through a doorway and bring whatever they're carrying with them. And if what they're carrying with them is exactly what's going on in this world right at this moment, that is welcome and we will honor that and we will make sure that is given space to be heard and shared. Right. And then there's the fact that I'm, I'm playing the long game. And what I mean by that is that I think the artistic work we do is about if we can move society a centimeter along the way, we've done something meaningful and You know, my friends in more sort of overt arts activism will have a different approach. They'll say, my response has to be to this moment and changing things, and that has value as well. It's just, I would say for us, it's more of a long-term trajectory that's in dialogue with this moment in the hopes that we help move us a
0: little further along to something greater. Do you find that that longer-term approach is inherent to the art form of performance art, of theater, or is that a byproduct of your focus on history and mythology as a source and stepping off point for your work or both?
1: Yes. No, Uh, (laughs) uh,
0: what I would say is that uh, it's both. I mean,
1: I, I think one is that because we develop our full length works over one to three years per project, there just is a, a kind of long term investigation that of course anything we're responding to in one moment is going to shift a little bit over that course of time. I think that, Performance art, because we do sometimes veer into performance art, um, there are times that can be very responsive. We did an event on October 12th that had been planned for a while. That was an event that combined uh, readings of stories from Jewish supernatural sources, kind of supernatural folkloric stories, combined with the live making of visual art, live improvisational music as well. And I decided in the week or two before to frame those stories with history, to say why the stories came about when they did and what was going on in the Jewish communities in which they were created. And part of that choice and it getting solidified, I think was in a kind of emotional response to the events of October 7th and and that time period of actually providing historical context to help us understand how people are processing and how that shows up in our stories could be of emotional value to our audience in that moment. So it's all of it.
0: Beyond theater, uh, Theater Dybbuk offers arts-based leadership training, some of which uh, myself and my colleagues at the Federation got to experience today. In that vein, what is a brief takeaway you might offer for those who are taking on leadership at any level in times of crisis like what the Jewish community is facing worldwide right now?
1: I think one takeaway that I would offer is the balance between talking and listening. And what I mean by that is sometimes we feel as leaders our role is to lead by messaging, by saying this is what's important and this is what I stand for and follow me. Don't get me wrong, that has great value. It's why I set a balance. That is needed. But also what's needed is for community members to feel heard and seen. And the productive value of holding space and purposeful, full silence, which allows people to say what they need to say and to process what they need to. Again, sometimes we think leadership is about making sure we're heard. When it, meaning we as the leaders, when in fact a lot of leadership is about making sure that the people around you are heard and feel seen and understood. And so a lot of the trainings we at Theater Dipic offer about mindful communication. And part of mindful communication is making sure that you're not taking up more space than the people you are leading. And so I think that's the big thing in this moment of how do you show leadership and give people what they need to be inspired, or to be uh, encouraged,
0: while also being able to hold them wherever they are. I think you really hit the nail on the head with with so many different perspectives and reactions and emotionally charged reactions to the moment that Judaism is going through, that holding that space is perhaps more important than ever. Yes, yes, I think so as well.
1: And And to recognize that, look, we're all just humans, you know, trying to figure this out. And on any given day and in any given moment, we may be feeling different things. And sometimes those things may be contradictory even. And how do we let people live in their contradictions? Because I think part of leadership is great empathy and having a high tolerance for imperfection, both with ourselves and with others and allowing them the space to
0: make their way to where they need to go. Aaron Henny, thank you for joining us on the Jewish Review Podcast. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode of the Jewish Review Podcast. Thank you and congratulations on an outstanding Portland residency to Aaron Henny and the cast and staff of Theater Dibbik. You can learn more about their work online at org. a link is in the show notes. If you like this episode, Please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice to help others find our show, and click subscribe to get our latest episode every two weeks. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please reach out by email to editor at jewishportland.org. The Jewish Review Podcast is a production of the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland. Special thanks to Daniel Berger. Our theme music is by Isaac Joel. I'm Rock Newbold. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, all the best.